Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. I surrender. I surrender to the King, to the Lord of Lords, who takes care of everything. Do you believe that? He takes care of everything. And you know what's so great about God? He's the one who sees ahead and provides. He sees ahead and he provides. So, you know, he's already seen ahead to right now. He's seen ahead to next year. He's seen ahead to five years from now. He's the God who has seen ahead, and he has provided. So if we don't panic, we'll stay in his plan. But panicking gets you off course. That's why things don't work out the way God designed it to work out for so many people. You know, we say these things, you know, God's got my destiny, and he's got the plan for our life, and we're going to follow his plan. It's a plan of victory. Well, you know, a lot of folks, they don't experience victory. There's a lot of folks experiencing defeat after defeat, early death, all kinds of terrible things. A lot of people experience a lot of our bad things, and they never overcome and recover from these things. Why is that? Well, are we following his plan? Are we in faith concerning him? Or are we panicking in faith, reacting to the things that we see, the things that we're hearing? We want to be a people that respond to the Spirit of God. We walk by faith And not by sight, not by our senses. We're not following how things appear in the natural. We're following what God says. We're following his word. And don't you just love his word? Oh, my, 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 my. Thank God. Thank God he's given us his word. Oh, hallelujah. Man, it just anchors our soul. Keeps us from just panicking. Keeps us from getting off course, getting into fear. No, no, no. We come back and say, what is the Lord saying? We can just open the book. What is the Lord saying? And he'll lead us through, his, through the word of God, and he'll make whatever is written in here relevant for you today, relevant for you right now. Current events right here. Read all about it. Read all about it. Thank God we can read all about it. And it's great because, you know, we get to see even into the future. What's to come, you know? I mean, you go get a newspaper. That just, that just tells you what has happened. And most of that isn't even correct. They can't even get what has happened correct. God doesn't just tell you what's happening. Happened, but what's happening and what's going to happen. He's got us, he's got us way ahead of those who do not live by the word of God. We should be way ahead. Not just, not just right there with everybody else. Not just caught up with everybody else, caught up, shocked by whatever else. We should be way ahead. We should see stuff coming before it ever came. <laughs> we should be way ahead of it because he prepares us. He prepares us. You got to have confidence that he prepares you. He protects you. He is with you to teach you, lead you, guide you, help you. And if there's something you need to know, you're going to know it. If you're doing what you already know to do. Do what you know to do. In other words, be obedient to God. Follow the instructions he's already given you. And then you'll know everything you need to know when you need to know it. 
we got to have that kind of confidence. Otherwise, what's, what's happening? You know, people get into panic about stuff. They see things happen, and then they, and they get all uptight, and they get all worried about, about what's happening. And, they're, and, they're, and, they're so de- and people become so desperate for a word. They become so desperate to hear something, hear something, hear something from God. Well, all we got to do is just stay in the word, stay in the word, and just know that he's preparing us today for tomorrow. Because we've already been prepared for today, yesterday. See, See we're, we're ahead of the game. He's, 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 been, he's been preparing us. He's been showing us things to come. He's been leading and guiding us. And you say, well, there's some things that have happened in my life that he didn't show me was coming. Then he didn't need to show it to you. He didn't need to show it to you. Apparently, you had everything you need to be able to handle it when it came. And when I say handle it, I'm not talking about just suffering under it. You know, just suffering under it. You know, a lot of people, that's what they think the grace of God is. Just suffering under it. No, 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 no. It's overcoming it. God's all about overcoming He's not about under, under it and just dealing with it. No, no, no. God's not about dealing with it. He's about defeating it, overcoming it, getting the victory, getting beyond it, going on to the better and better and better things that he has for you. Hallelujah. That's what he's all about. So he gives us the grace. So if you didn't know, then praise God. You didn't need to know. You didn't need to know. Isn't that, isn't that comforting? I mean, that, that is just so awesome. But we got to have confidence in that. we got to have confidence. So say what we say, I know everything I need to know. When I need to know it. Because I always do what I know to do. So you see, that's the whole thing, is you got to do what you know to do. If you're not doing what you know to do, then let's get it done. Let's do it. Just do it. you got to do it. Why put it off any longer? Because it affects your confidence. It causes you to begin to, to waver and doubt. And get into fear about things. When you don't do what you know to do. So you've got to examine your heart. You know, are you doing what you know to do? And you can examine your heart. I don't know if I know. I don't know if I'm doing everything I know to do. Well, you, you, if you search your heart, you know what you know. <laughs> because you know. That's why you know. So do what you know. Do what you know. Well, are you, are, you know what? And of course, it all starts with your relationship with God, right? How's your prayer life? How's your walk with Jesus? How's your time in the Word? Right? Just start with those things. Well, I know I should be doing. Okay, so you know. I know I should be spending more time. You know. Now, what are you waiting for? Do it. Why procrastinate and put it off so that now you're living out here in doubt land? You're out here in doubt and unbelief and wavering and confused and tossed to and fro and everything else. See, not doing what you know to do is going to keep you in doubt. Keep you in doubt about everything. You'll be unstable in all your ways. So let's do what you know to do. You'll know what you need to know. And praise God, you can walk around with the confidence knowing that you'll know what you need to know. So if you don't know and you see something happening that you don't know, then you know that you didn't need to know because you know everything you need to know. (laughs) When you need to know it. True or false? True, correct. Praise God. You got the right answer on that. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody say, we're an overcoming church. More than conquerors. Yeah, that's who we are. We're God's church. We're the church of the living God. 
And so the Lord put on my heart back in November for us to get over here and study what the church looks like. Now, of course, all the word is, is what we're supposed to look like. We're supposed to look like Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I understand that. But the book of Acts is what the Lord has directed us to. That was all the way back in November. Now, we haven't, we haven't just stayed with the book of Acts this whole time. We've had some guest ministers. We had the Durants come in one Sunday, and the Lord's kind of taken me some other different directions and other couple Sundays and things, but, but we're not done with it yet. We're not done. In fact, we're only in chapter 2, so... Since November, praise the Lord. But we're just eating it up. We're just eating it up. So why don't we turn in our Bibles to Acts, the second chapter. And how many of you know, the early church, as we call them, you know, the early church, the, the beginning days of the church, after Jesus rose from the dead, how many of you know that group of people were awesome? They were an awesome group of people. Well, guess what? They need to be saying that about us today. Because we're the church of the last days. And with God, it's always faith to faith, glory to glory. In other words, it's better to better. So, you know, if we look back there and go, wow, look at that. We should be that and a whole lot more. Because that's just the beginning. I'm talking about here in the book of Acts. That's just the beginning of the church. We were never supposed to lose any of these things. Any of these qualities that they walk, these characteristics that they walked in, you and I are to be walking in them today. And in fact, we should be better at it than they were. We should be deeper in it, more rooted and grounded in it. Because, wow, how many generations have gone by since the book of Acts, since these believers walked the earth? Well, a lot. And now they didn't even have the whole written word of God. They didn't have the New Testament written. They didn't have the Pauline epistles. And all the revelation that the Lord had given the Apostle Paul that we now have today concerning our authority and so forth. They didn't know half of what has been made known to us today. And yet look what they did. They were known as those that turned the world upside down. They had that reputation. These are those that turned the world upside down. The wicked were terrified at them. Demons were terrified of them. They were amazing people. And that's who we are. We're amazing people. So we're rising up and reclaiming our identity as the church of the living God. Not some little religious group of people trying to earn some points with God by going to church. Bless God, we are the church of the living God. Praise God. The house of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. God himself dwells in us. Man, we're awesome. Turn to somebody and say, you're awesome. Hallelujah. Yeah. And we need to look at each other that way. They looked at each other that way. We need to see each other that way. That we are awesome. We are an awesome group of people. This is why the Lord led me to write the book, The, Spirit, the Spirit-Led Church. I just wanted that up here to remind you. If you haven't read it, read it. Because this is all about getting back to the book of Acts. Getting back to where the church is supposed to be. And it deals with a lot of the myths concerning church growth and what a church is supposed to look like. And it's just, things have gotten so far away from the way God intended to be or from the way things started. It's gotten so far off course. 
that this book will help you to see. Oh, yeah. That, oh, I thought that was right. And you'll find out there's a lot of things that aren't right, and it'll show you what is right. We're a spirit-led church. Spirit-led church, it's in a bookstore somewhere near you, down the hall by, as you walk out the door. Get it and read it. Study it. Now's a great time for that. Study the book of Acts. Study the spirit-led church. Right? This is, these are the things God's wanting us to get right now. Very important we get a hold of these things. Can you say Amen. Hallelujah. So we looked at, in review, we saw that the early church was a praying church. They were a praying church. They were an excited church. They were full of expectancy concerning God and what God was doing, what God was going to do. Are you excited? Yes. We love to pray. We're a praying church. We love to pray. And we're excited. And we've come to church today expectant. Hallelujah. And expectancy makes you excited. Because you're expecting something good. You're expecting God. You're, you're expecting something big. Right? Expectancy. So we're stirred up. We're excited. That's how they were. Why would we ever lose that? Why would church ever become this dead, dry, emotionless place of the most dullest people? That is so the opposite of the book of Acts. That's so the opposite of the early church. That's not who we are. We're excited. And um, we're not ashamed of it. We're not ashamed of being excited about God. Number three, they came together in one place. They met together in one place, which caused, number four... They were united in one accord. That's that's a huge part of God being able to do things through our life. If we're all divided and we're all each going our own way and we got our own interpretation of the Bible, our own interpretation of things, and everybody's going in their own different direction, then, then we're not functioning like a body, like the body of Christ, which is how we're supposed to be functioning in the earth. Imagine that. The body of Christ here in the earth today. So what you see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's here today. But there's been a lot of division, a lot of people doing their own thing. And now we've got to stop being islands to ourselves, and that's why we need to come together in one place, gathered together as a local church, a local group of believers that God brings together, and we need to come together, get together as much as possible. Because as we do, God unites us together as one. We're able to get into one accord, one accord with each other, just like them. They were united in one accord, which caused, number five, it caused them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They received tremendous power from heaven as the Spirit of God filled their lives. The fire of God came upon them. Well, that fire was never to go out. It's only to intensify. It's only to spread. Get all over other people's lives. We're to take it out into the world. Set the world on fire. Set the world on fire. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That isn't supposed to change. We need to live a Spirit-filled life. A part of that was number six. They spoke in tongues. They spoke in tongues. That's a part of of what we're supposed to do 
today. We're to be speaking in tongues. Number seven, they also spoke about a God of miracles. A God of miracles. Jesus is a miracle worker. Not that he was, but that he is. He is. That's why they walked in expectancy. That's why people that got near them got fired up and got full of expectancy. Because they were hearing about a God of miracles. A God of the miraculous. And that's the God you and I serve. That's the God who's with us today. And he says he's the same today as he was. He's still the same today. So he's the God of miracles. And the message that they preached. Remember we saw that first message that Peter preached. It was convicting. The people said it cut to the heart. It cut them at the heart. It was convicting. Didn't just educate their heads. Didn't just teach them something. You know, like they were just getting educated. Now they're getting cut to the heart. And then number nine, he preached, and we still preach today, repentance. You know, there's some folks that have thrown that out throughout the body of Christ. Don't talk about repenting. You know, that's not for today. That's not for today. No, it's, it's, it's for today. It's all through the New Testament. I mean, that's even in the book of Revelation where the Lord Jesus himself is addressing the churches and he tells the churches, these are people who have already been saved, telling them to repent. So uh, he preached on repentance and thank God for repentance. We need repentance. We've got to understand repentance is a gift from God. It's such a privilege that we can repent. To repent means to turn. So, you know, how many knows if you're going the wrong way, you're trying to get to Margaret's house, and you're on the wrong road, going the wrong way, but you really want to get to Margaret's house, how many people know you ain't going to get there? Unless you get turned around, turn around, get back on the right road. We got to get on the right road. So, you know, there's times in life where even as believers, we can get off the road. You know, there's so many voices in the world, so many things screaming at us, so many things pulling on us, that we could start deviating from God's best. Now, if you want God's best, you got to walk in his best, right? If you want God's perfect will, then you got to walk in his perfect will. So, uh, we don't want to get off, because I want God's best. I want pure victory, man. I don't want some victory, some defeat. I can live with a little defeat. I don't want defeat. Do you? No, I want, I want to win, 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 win. Win, 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 win. Right? How are we going to win, 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 win? We got to stay on the right road. We got to stay on the path, the path that he has for us. So if we start deviating, start getting off, then we need somebody to help us to turn and come back and get back on track. Get back on his path that he has for us. Well, that's what repentance means. It means to turn. To turn. Get things right. To sin is to miss the mark. If you're missing it, if you're not hitting it, praise God, you know, maybe you're like an archer and you're trying to hit, hit that target right there, but you keep missing the thing, and then someone comes over and just takes your hand and says, here, just turn a little bit to the left. Sometimes it's not a real big turn. Sometimes it's just, it's a little adjustment. Little adjustment. Boom, bam, bullseye. Every time. Boom, bullseye. Because you made that adjustment. 
you made that turn. Let's let the Lord, let's let the Lord, let's let the Holy Spirit turn us. Turn us. Now, sometimes people get very set in their ways and they want things. This is the way they want it, you know. They think, no, I want this. And this is what I like. This is my dream. This is my dream come true. This is my dream this, my dream that. And this, is, this is how I want my life. This is my dream life. Now I figure out, listen, whatever dream life you have, it's a nightmare compared to the Lord's dreams for your life. You understand what I'm saying? The Lord's dream for your life makes your dreams look like a nightmare. So don't follow your dreams. Find out his dream. Follow his dream. And a lot of times he don't tell you a whole lot about it. Because it's too good and it would just overwhelm me. You just look and say, you just say, I can't do that. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. So he doesn't, he doesn't show us the whole thing. He just gives us little steps, at a, one step at a time. A little step here, a little step there, and he leads us, and he guides us into this dream that he's got for us. Man, oh man, he's got this promised land. He's got this life up ahead. Come on, somebody. So much greater. So much greater. But you see, people get so intent on what they're going to accomplish, what they're going to do, and the way they see it, and the way they want it. It's hard to get them off it. It's hard to get them off it. So then God comes along with the word and convicts them. And he cuts. He cuts at their heart because, see, it, it, they won't just turn unless something's cut out. See, they've got to cut out their visions and their dreams. They've got to cut out the things that they've gotten rooted in and grounded in. The things that they want, the things that they desire, all their lusts and so forth. He's got to cut us free of those things because those things have such a stranglehold on our lives. The Word of God will get in there and snip, snip. Hallelujah. Snip. Praise God. And so it might not feel great at the moment when you're being corrected and, and things are being showed up in your life that aren't right. But we need that. We got to be seen. We got to see what's not right. So we get on with what's right. Get on with God's best for our life. Get on with the dream. Can you say amen? amen? Let's get on with the dream, praise God. They didn't. I'll tell you what they didn't preach. They didn't preach that we're all just old sinners. No, they said repent of sin. Repent and turn from it. Don't live as it. Don't live in it. Don't live as it. Don't live as a sinner. We don't walk around, I'm an old sinner. We walk around, I'm a new creation, old sinners, old things have passed away, and old things have become new. It's all new for us. We're living the new high life, the good life. We're new, improved, getting improved on all the time. Right? We're new, and now he's improving on us all the time by giving us more revelation, more understanding of his ways, his will. And that's what you and I are walking in. Can you say amen? And so let's pick up where we left off in verse, we'll see here, verse 23 of Acts 2. Acts 2, verse 23, Peter's in the middle of preaching to all kinds of folks that have come from all over the place, that have gathered together, thousands of people. He gets to preaching, talking about Jesus, says, Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands have crucified and put to death. You did it. That's not a very nice thing to say to all these people who have come out to your meeting. You know, they come to your church, they come to your meeting, and you're going to stand up there, Peter, and you're going to point your finger at them saying, you 
are lawless. You have done wickedness. You have committed these terrible things. I mean, that's not very seeker sensitive. <laughs> seeker friendly. These are terms we hear today. That's, that's what pastors are instructed to be. That's the kind of church we're instructed to have these days. But get the book. That's, the, you know, seeker friendly, seeker sensitive. How about Holy Spirit sensitive? Let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And if he wants to take out the two-edged sword, and he wants to do some cutting, well, let's go ahead and call it like it is, Lord. Say it like it is. Have no reservations because it's not about us. It's about setting captives free. It's about helping people. All right, let's jump to verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? See, they took it seriously. They didn't just say, who's this guy think he is? They understood God's convicting them. God's convicting them. See, we need God, we need God to convict people of the word. It can't just be man's words to us. It's got to be the Holy Spirit's convicting people. See, otherwise, otherwise we really didn't really get much today. If all we did was come and we just get taught something by Pastor Stephen Frazier, that's pathetic. What we need is God. God to give the utterance and then to get in the chair and to point out things in our life that need cutting, that need cutting out, that need fixing, that need correction so that we can get better direction for our life, right? That's, that's what we need. So we need the Holy Spirit to teach us today. He's the teacher. He's the, but in a lot of churches, he's not allowed in the churches. I mean, we're just talking about church these days. Uh, today, he's not allowed in a lot of churches. In fact, pastors are told not even to preach in a way that would cause people to feel uncomfortable. You've got to talk soft. You've got to kind of talk like a medical person, like a medical professional or something like that. You can't talk with, with conviction. You can't say things that make people feel uncomfortable. Well, friend, um, people need to be made to feel uncomfortable. If we're in the wrong place, I'm not talking about church, but if we're in the wrong place in life, going the wrong direction, should we feel comfortable going in the wrong direction? No, if the, sink, if the ship is sinking, don't just sit back and say, yeah, but I'm so comfortable in this chair. Yeah, but I'm just, I, just feel, I just don't want to leave the chair. <laughs> and you just sink. No, no, no. You, you got to get so uncomfortable that you jump up and make a change. Make a change. Be willing to make some changes. Isn't that right? Praise God. So God's word should cut to the heart. It should cut to the heart today, not just educate people's heads. Verse 38, then Peter said to them, after they were cut to the heart, asked, what do we do? See, they wanted the change. They recognized it was God talking to them. He said to them, repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice that, repent. And you shall receive. Why would God tell us to repent? Because he's got gifts for us. 
He's got a gift for you. But he can't get you the gift if you don't turn in his direction to receive it. So if we got our back to God thinking that we're following God, but we're totally, mis- totally mistaken. <clears throat> and God's trying to get something to us. You know, you think about in football. Think about a quarterback, right? And he's got these receivers. And every quarterback wants a good receiver, right? So God wants good receivers. God's looking for some good receivers. And so God's got these gifts, man. And I mean, God knows how to put it right in there. He knows how to place the thing right in there. So he says, tells you exactly what to do. Go out, cut to the left. I'm going to hit you right over there in that corner. And you go out, cut to the left, and never turn around and look back at the quarterback. You cut to the left, but you got your back to him. And he fires the light. And what's he, what's he expecting? Turn around and catch the ball. But he never turns around. He gets whacked in the back of the head. Just gets whacked. And then he gets offended. I'm not going back to that church ever again, man. That pastor hit me right in the head. Hit me right in the head, man. Those people in front of me, those people, hit me right in the head. And people walk away offended. Offended, mad at God. Mad at God. God caused this. God caused this. Well, no, he expected you to turn around and expect it to be there. As soon as you turn around, there it is. Whack. Catch the ball. So, but again, it requires a turning to receive, to receive, see? So repent means to, to turn. So he says, repent so you can receive the gift that God's got for you. Woo-hoo, hallelujah. He's got the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about himself. God wants to give you himself as a gift so that he is yours. And you and him are one. And you can use the gift anytime because he's yours now. That's how much he wants to be in your life. So he pleads with us and says, repent, turn, so you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see that in Proverbs chapter 1 and in verse 23. It says, turn at my rebuke. Surely, everybody say surely. This isn't Shirley Temple. This is, this is absolutely, positively, God's saying, if you do this, you can mark it down. This is what's going to happen. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. See, there's some folks, they get in the word and they really don't get much. And that's why they really don't like getting in the word that much. Because they don't really get much. From the Bible, they don't get much from church. They don't get much from anything having to do with God. Why? Because there's areas in their life that they haven't turned from. There's things they haven't turned from. They haven't put themselves in a position to better receive the thing God has for you. So he wants you to, he wants to pour his spirit out on you. And he wants to make his words known to you. He wants to give you revelation today. You understand? We're talking about revelation that causes a life transformation. That's what God wants to do today in your life. He wants to transform your life. And he does it through his word. The Bible says in Psalm, uh, I think it's Psalm 107. It says, he sent his word 
and healed them and delivered them. Delivered them. Praise God. His word, through his word. When you get revelation of of his word, it heals you. It delivers you. That's a good thing. God's spirit being poured on your life is an awesome thing. Getting revelation of his word, man, that's our food. That's our life. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man, we need God's word. And so, so many people have put a ceiling over their life, and it hinders them from being able to get all that God's got for them. They get some things, but they don't get a whole lot of things. They can get a whole lot more things if they would turn. Turn from some things. Turn from some stuff. Turn. Don't let that thing dominate you. Turn. Repent of that. Turn from that. And I'll, I'll pour out something a whole lot better. I, just, I don't see anything wrong with it. Listen to your heart. Listen to your heart. A lot of people don't want to listen to their heart. They harden their heart. That's a dangerous place to believe. Well, you harden your heart to the conviction of the Holy Spirit where he can't even cut you? That's a dangerous place to be. We don't want to be in that place. We want our hearts tender. We want to be like these people. What must we do? You don't like that, God? I'm done. I mean, anything convicts us. We're tender-hearted. I mean, he just, he just pokes us. Ooh, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm, I repent of that. I turn from that. I'm, I'm, I, I turn away from that. That's what we do. And then what happens? He pours. He pours out. He pours out his goodness. He, I think of the prodigal son, right? Prodigal son's away. He leaves his father's house, spends his inheritance on reckless living, right? And then he comes, he, he realizes he's eating, he's eating what the pigs are eating. He's in a horrible place. And he realizes, what have I done? I need, to, I need to go back to my father's house. And so he finally comes to his senses. Nobody could come to him. He had to come to his own senses. He had to come to his senses. His father couldn't come to him. Nobody could come. Thank God we can come to our senses. In fact, you might need to come to your senses right now and you don't even know it. So why don't you just ask God, say, Heavenly Father, help me to come to my senses. If I'm missing it anywhere, help me to know it. Hallelujah. Why, why would you pray all that prayer? Because I want him poured out on me. I want revelation of the word of God, the will of God for my life. I don't want to live in darkness and in confusion. See, So I'm looking for more revelation from him. So, so the prodigal son, he turned, he turned and headed home. And while he was yet afar off, his father saw him. It's a type of God. The father saw him, but he turned. Smelt like the pig's. And the father stood afar off and said, don't you come near this house until you get showered up, get real cleaned up, get real religious, then you can come home. No, he didn't say that. What did he say? Nothing. He ran to him. It was action. He ran to him. Killed the, fat, killed the fatted calf. Threw his robe on him. I mean, he took charge. When his son turned, the father took charge. He said, oh yeah, I got him. I got him. Get me the best stuff here. Get me food. We're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate. And his father poured out blessing on him when he just turned. It's not, you know, some people have the idea, well, I'm just not even going to turn and get it right because I can't do it. I just can't live this life. I just can't. We know that. We know you're not that good because we're all in the same boat. That's why. We know you can't do it. We couldn't do it either. Bless God, you surrender to his goodness. Let him clothe you with righteousness. Let him clothe you with his goodness. Let him put his fruit of the spirit on the inside of you. Pour his love into your heart. Hallelujah. Let him transform your life. Let him do it. 
This isn't about your works, your religious acts. This is about God coming on you and transforming your life. Come on, somebody. Woo, hallelujah. He's transforming us. He's changing us from faith to faith, glory to glory. He's doing it. It's by the Spirit of God. It's not by your efforts. See, you just get in the way. People just get in the way. They feel like, well, they, they, they come to them as a mess, and then they feel like they've got to take it the rest of the way. But he said in the book of Galatians, he says, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit, are you now going to be made perfect in the flesh? No, I don't think so. You're not going to be made perfect by the flesh. No, no, no. Stay in the spirit. Stay trusted him. Stay surrendered. And let God do the work. Just yield to the work. Just yield to his hands. Just, this, just be a helpless receiver of his goodness. I, I'm, just, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm sorry. I, I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm clean. Praise God. I've got clean hands. I'm not dirty. I'm not defiled by the world. He just did it to me. See, it's all on him. We can't take the glory or credit for any of it. Hallelujah. And he's going to keep on doing it. He's going to keep on bringing us into greater, greater levels of his holiness. Ooh, his purity. I mean... Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many people know water, when it goes through a filter, the water doesn't purify itself. The filter does the purifying. The water is just there for the ride. Somebody say, I'm just here for the ride. Yeah, see, we just get in the river, man. We just get in the river of life. And where's it going? It's going through the filter of the word. It's going through the filter of his presence. Praise God. We just go through the filter. It's like, ah! Wow. You know what I'm saying? And we just keep going through that filter. Oh! And we get cleaner. We get cleaner. We get better and better and better. We're just here for the ride. But stay in the boat. Stay in the river. Let it flow. Let God take you through. Let him take you through the filter. Can you say amen? Praise God forever. So rebuke is to help you repent. And repent... Helps you to receive, to receive what God has for you. Verse 39, Acts 2. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So in other words, he's saying right there, what is for them is also for us today. It's for us today. Verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So that's how he exhorted them. Those were encouraging words. Be saved from this perverse, wicked generation. Friend, if they lived in a wicked and perverse generation, then I got news for you. In the same way it's supposed to be going from better to better in the kingdom of God, the world is getting more and more degenerate. They're going from worse to worse. It's getting darker and darker and darker. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 60 that deep darkness will cover the earth in these last days. Deep darkness will cover the earth. We're living in an exceedingly wicked and perverse generation. I'll add another word to that. An exceedingly wicked and faithless perverse generation. Because Jesus would throw that in there too. Faithless, perverse, wicked generation. We're dealing with some serious wicked people. We are dealing with some serious wicked people. 
in our nation and around. I mean devious. And we need to know that. That's the generation we're in. A wicked, perverse generation. Twisted. People are twisted. Their minds are twisted. I mean, some of the things that people think is normal. See? It, it's, it's come now to a point where it's been going on for so long, from generation to generation, that now it's like it's normal. Some of the most grotesque, perverse, unclean things. People are involved in gross uncleanness. And they're not in the closet anymore. They're not hiding it. They're out in public about it. They're prancing around. They think it's the greatest thing in the world. And it's filthy. It's vile. It's twisted. It's demented. And they're training the next generation. This is normal. This is normal. It's twisted. It's demented. But it's even hard to help people to know how twisted and demented they are. And how twisted and demented their generation is. Because some people, this is all they've known. I mean, they're, they're being taught it in school. They're getting taught it at home. They're being taught it everywhere. Government. I mean, we've got the leaders of our nation. And, and teaching the younger generation. Twisted and perverted, vile things. And so people, they're confused, but they don't even know they're confused. They think that they're right on target, you know. See, but that's the generation you and I are living in right now. And so... Here's the good news. Be saved from it. Be saved from the sinking ship. Be saved from the burning inferno. Be saved from this burning wreckage. Come out. Come out from among them. Get saved, praise God. Get delivered from it. That's the good news. There's salvation in the midst of it. In the midst of the perversion, there is salvation. There is a safe place. For us to take refuge in, it's in Jesus Christ. It's in being a part of the church of the living God. Can you say amen? amen? So praise God. We understand who the enemy is. We're not the enemy. The person next to you is not your enemy. Your pastor is not your enemy. We've got so many people attacking the church. Attacking the church, attacking the church. Well, he prophesied it didn't come to pass. This, and all this stuff going on in the church world. All this confusion in the church world. And there's some people that said things they probably shouldn't have said, and did some things wrong. But can we focus on the real problem, like the deep darkness that's covering the earth? Can we, can we rise up and reach for the glory of God and encourage one another? To get the glory of God on our lives, to go into the darkness, take it down, expose it. Walk through, cut through it. Isn't that great? Light can cut a path right through darkness. Now, all the darkness isn't going to go until Jesus comes back. You understand that. But he takes it all. He throws it in the lake of fire. That's going to happen. But for now, we can cut right through it. Like a knife through, through butter that's been sitting by the burner. I mean, just cut right through it. Light. No fear of the darkness. No fear. Say no fear. I don't care how wicked. I don't care how vile. I don't care how twisted, how demented. It's nothing to us. We cut right through it. We cut right through it. That's who we are. Praise God. Walk right through the midst of it. Cut right through it. Praise God forever. Verse 41. Then those gladly received, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. 
And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. That's not bad. 3,000 souls saved. Just like that. Now, how did these souls get saved? How did that happen? Well, we've got to put together this real complex plan. It's called declare the gospel. And let the Holy Spirit do the work. Your part, tell them. His part, cut them. And he don't, he don't just stop there. He'll cut them. He'll convict them. He'll turn them inside out. He'll transform their life. He'll do everything that needs to get done. Then he'll clean them up and do the whole thing. He'll package it and everything for you. You know, it's kind of like going on one of these fishing expeditions. You know, you go to one of these deep sea fishing places. And they take you out, you know, fishing. You get on there. And they give you the pole. They give you the bucket with the bait. They tell you what to do. I mean, you just take the hook, put the thing in, and then they're driving around out there in the ocean looking for the place to go. They find the place to go that's best. You're just sitting there drawing the rod. Drop your line in the water, guys. Okay. Hoop. Reel it in. Reel it in. Jesus Christ came. He gave his life for you. He died for you. He loves you. Let me share my testimony with you. Let me do that. Let me do that. And then, and then they're coming up to the water, and they come running over. The people that drove the boat, people that gave you the rod and the bait and the whole thing, they come over with a net, and they grab the thing. So you can't mess it up. <laughs> you, just, you just share it. Next thing you know, this guy grabs the thing, throws the thing on the ground. And if you slip them a little extra money, they'll take it back there, and they'll fillet the thing. They'll get it all set up for you, nice. And then you just get off the boat after your nice day, and you've got your nice fish ready to go. Take home, cook it, eat it. Take it to church with you. Take that soul to church with you. You know what I'm talking about? The Holy Spirit does all the work. What in the world's our problem? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I know what to say. Share your testimony. Tell them about Jesus. Well, what happens if they don't believe? That's between them and God. That's the Holy Spirit's part. He's the one that causes them to believe. Faith comes from him. Faith comes from him. It doesn't come from you. It comes from him. It comes from the spirit of faith. Can you say amen? We need to have confidence and let the Holy Spirit do his work. That's what we need to do. So here, 3,000 souls were added to the church. How did this happen? Well, they had a fish fry. They had a casino night. They... They, they drew, and they all dressed a certain way. They all dressed with flip-flops, and nobody got dressed. And they do all these secret-friendly things. That's how they won the people. No, no, no. How did they win the people? They won the people. There was, the first, there was a, 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 a miraculous sign and wonder. The manifestation of God, the power of God came into their lives. That's number one, as they were praying. So they were praying intensely for several days, just in prayer, praying. Then the power of God comes in there, makes them a sign and a wonder to the people. The people come running. They get up and share the gospel. Allow the Holy Spirit to cut to their hearts. Talk about repentance. And 3,000 people get saved. Now that is not a church growth method that you'll hear anything about today in any kind of seminar. Now most of you aren't interested in that because you're not pastors. But as a pastor, those are the kind of seminars that are going on out there. Get the book. (laughs) Verse 42. Let's just go back to the way Jesus said to do it. If we can just stay with that. If we could just have the glory of God and just keep it simple. 
then we can see more people get saved. And we want to see more people saved, don't we? Don't we? Don't we? Somebody say, that's what it's all about. It's all about saved souls. Souls being saved. It's not all about souls being saved. For you and I, it's all about Jesus. It's all about walking in the glory of God. But if you'll walk in the glory of God and do what the Bible says to do, be witnesses, share the good news, people will get saved. But our focus, our focus isn't on souls. Our focus is on the Savior. Did you get that? Our focus isn't on souls. Our focus is on the Savior. But in focusing and following the Savior, what's going to happen? We're going to share him with others. We're going to do what he does. We're going to do what Jesus does. He, he saved sinners. That's what we're going to do. That's just, that's just the old ministry, even soul winning. Ministry is to be an overflow of your walk with God, of your revelation of him. You overflow and you share it. You overflow and you touch people's lives. That's what it's all about. We overflow, and in overflowing, we're helping people. Ministry is just organic. You know, it just, it just flows out of us. It's just natural. You understand what I'm saying? It's not something we have to work up and try to do, and we got to do it. It isn't that way. Just follow him. Be full of the Holy Spirit and overflow. But the key is to overflow. Don't be bottled up. I said, don't be bottled up. Some of you have been bottled up for so long and, and being shook. For so long. I mean, you're under pressure. So why am I under such pressure? Because you got a cap on you. You're bottled up and you keep getting shook up. Especially when you come to church. Pastor just keeps shaking. <laughs> but today we take out the the uh, bottle opener. Let's put that out. <laughs> That's what happens in churchman time. You see, some people, they just go off like a volcano. Well, see, they were just bottled up. They were, just, they were bottled up and shook, you know. <laughs> oh, hallelujah, praise God. Oh, praise God. Oh, <sighs> and, then they, and then they go out. Put the cap back on the bottle, you know. A few services go by, and then they're under pressure again. Pass takes out the bottle opener. Let's all praise him. Oh, when we take the cap off. Keep it off. Keep it off. Praise God. And don't just dissipate the glory of God. Don't just dissipate the anointing. You know, just all over the... <gasps> and have nothing left over to share the gospel with anybody for the rest of the week. Right? Praise Him and shout, praise God, and then go out and share it all about. Go out there and love somebody and tell them the good news. Praise God. Just let it keep... Just keep oozing out of you. We live in the overflow. That's how, that's how we're to live our life. Hallelujah. So we're just here getting filled, filled, filled. Keep the thing overflowing, praise God. Learn how to keep it overflowing. Hallelujah. Verse 42. And they continued. I mean, 3,000 people were added to the church because of signs, wonders, speaking in tongues. That's a sure way to offend people. No, that's how you get 3,000 people saved. Praying in tongues. 
rebuke, repentance, they get saved. And then it says in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Notice this. These folks, what made them so great? Not just they had an experience with God, but they continued in the word of God steadfastly. Steadfastly. They listened to the teachers that were teaching them. Because they didn't have the New Testament at the time. So, but they had the apostles right there in front of them teaching them the word of God that you and I have today. We got the words of the apostles right here. Right? So it's the word of God. They continued steadfastly. I mean, they stayed with it. These folks took the word serious. A lot of folks have experiences with God. It's kind of like the guy, the bottle opener. Oh, and that's the end of it. How do we keep it going, guys? By keep on keeping on in the word of God. Doctrine, teaching, teach me. Teach me, I want to learn. I just don't want to have an experience. I want to learn. I want to understand this experience. I want to understand how to walk in this anointing. I want to understand how to walk in the presence of God. I want to live this life now. I don't want to just have times of experiences. I want to live this thing. Thank God for times where we experience the glory of God, but he wants us now to live in it. And the only way we're going to do that is we continue in the word of God and continue with one another. Notice, they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They continued, there were prayers They were word people. They stayed in the word of God and they stayed close to each other. They were protective of each other. They loved each other. They took care of each other. They stayed around folks of like faith. Smart. Smart people. So they continued in these things. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure... Sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. In other words, these aren't folks that are called to God to teach. They're not called to God to teach. These are folks that people have called to teach. People heaped them up. God didn't heap them up. There's a, there's a whole heaping full of teachers in the world today. In the body of Christ. But he said in the last days, they're going to heap up teachers. They're going to heap them up. But they're, they're not called of God. It's because they have itching ears and they want to hear what they want to hear. They want to hear something new. They want to hear something exciting. They want to hear what they want to hear. According to their own desires. Not according to the heart of God. Don't we, 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 we're a church that we, we want the heart of God. We're not looking to fulfill our own desires. We want, to, we want to know the desires of God. We want to satisfy God's desires. And then satisfying his desires, well, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it when you know you're pleasing God. You're satisfying him. So that's the kind of teaching we want. But he said, in the last time, this is what's going to happen. They're not going to endure sound doctrine. <clears throat> and, so, and that's true in the world we live in today. And we need to understand that. We need to understand that. And stay close to one another in fellowship. Verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul. 
and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Notice that fear came upon every soul. Why? Why why did fear come upon every soul? Because of the word of God that was being preached. Because of the word. The word convicts. The word cuts. The word will cause a healthy fear of God. And I got news for you. The fear of God is healthy. It's a healthy thing. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. So, so that's a definition of, of the fear of the Lord. You know, what is the fear of the Lord? It's right here. The fear of the Lord is. He tells you right here. The fear of the Lord is. It's to hate evil. Hate it. Not entertained by it. Not tolerating it. Hate it. Hate pride. If you see any kind of pride in your life, you hate it. You don't want to see pride in your life. You see pride, you deal with it harshly. With the word of God. Arrogance and the evil way. Perverse, a perverse mouth. Man, we don't even go anywhere near it. We don't go anywhere near it. This is the fear of the Lord. This is the fear of the Lord. So... We have to understand this. Being saved isn't simply receiving Jesus. If we're going to walk in God's salvation, walk in his abundant life, it isn't because we receive Jesus only. We have to receive Jesus, yes, but we have to reject sin also. So to the degree we receive Jesus is to the degree we reject sin. If we refuse to reject the wrong, then it's going to affect us from receiving him. Do you understand that? So, well, just come to Jesus. Just come to Jesus and be saved. Well, come to Jesus means leave something. Come away from something. To come to Jesus, you must come away from something. Like pride. Like arrogance. Like living life um, in your own strength, according to your own ability, uh, having your own desires. And just living by that. No, no, no. You've got to come away from that and come to him. Reject that. Reject that. So we reject the evil way. We reject any way that is contrary to God, any way that is a selfish way. My own way, apart from him, is an evil way. I hate that. I hate that. I don't want it to just, just to be my way. I could do some things probably pretty good and, and it turned out good and people like it. And people say, well, that was great. But I know I didn't go his way. And it don't feel good. I could have 100 people come to me and say, oh, Pastor. <laughs> Pastor, that was so wonderful. It was so wonderful. It was so wonderful. Well, thank God God took it in spite of me and did something for you. Thank God for that. But I got to go away and I got to repent. I got to say, Lord, forgive me. I missed it. You were dealing with me over here, and I didn't do that. I went this way, and I, went, I should have gone that way, and I just repent for it. See, it's an evil way. I'm not going to settle for that in my life. We're not going to settle for that in our life. It's not our way. It's not my will. It's your will be done. But his will is the best will for our life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So being saved isn't simply accepting Jesus. It's also rejecting sin. Verse 44. Now all who believed were together... And had all things in common. 
and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Look at these folks. I mean, they got fired up. They're just loving each other. And now look, they had all things in common and what's mine is yours, what's yours. And they were just sharing and giving and it just flowed. This wasn't something somebody tried to make happen. This just happened because the love of God was poured out into their heart and they were developing that love by continuing the word and continuing to express that love towards each other and fellowshipping with each other. See, they grew in this love. Come on, church. They grew in this love where they didn't want to hold anything back from their fellow brothers and sisters because they saw each other as family. This is the family of God. We're family. We take care of one another. We take care of each other. And that's what's happening here. And so they weren't putting money above the purpose of God and of the people of God. They were, they were sharing these and they were giving these things. So, so we see these people, they, they were in one accord, in one place, coming together, growing in unity with each other. And they continued together steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines. They were more interested in the church and one another than their own personal, individual Prosperity. Now, God delights in the prosperity of his servants. The Bible tells us that. Jesus came for that, you might be made rich. He wants you wealthy, he wants you healthy. He wants, God wants you provided for, he wants you well taken care of. I mean, look what he did for the prodigal son. How much for those that live in his house and stay with him and are steadfast? Come on, we know that. But a lot of people can't get over into this and receive the fullness of that blessing that God has for them because they're such an island to themselves. They're not living for the purposes of God and his kingdom and his people. They're isolated. It's about them. Therefore, no more. And, and as a result of that, God can't do, they, can't, they don't have room for the kind of life that God has for them. They don't have room for the fullness of the prosperity and blessing that God has for their lives. See? So we got to get out of that. And now they were givers and they shared and nobody lacked anything. God's blessings flowed. They were increased. (laughs) Hallelujah. And uh, money wasn't an issue, obviously, for these folks. And uh, again, it says here, now all who believe together had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. See, they were considerate of one another's needs. Praise God. But you see, again, another big part of that is it's not just coming together. It's that fear of the Lord. It's that rejecting of sin. It's that repentance, that hearing that word of God, that rebuke from heaven that helps us get things out of our life that causes the division. Sin causes division. If you're, if you're in sin, if you've got things in your life, it's going to affect you from the fellowship of the believers. In fact, 1 John, hold your place over here in 1 John. Isn't this exciting? Why is God doing this? Because he's bringing us there as he's doing this. He's bringing us back to the book of Acts so that we can get there and then go on to greater. Come on, I don't want to leave this earth and and have fallen short of what they had. I want to leave this earth knowing that we had that and a whole lot more. Because that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. But here in 1 John, chapter 1, it says, verse 6, If we say we have fellowship with him, 
with Jesus, with God, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We're not practicing the truth. But that's what we, 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 we want to practice the truth. I mean, no practice makes, practice makes perfect. It might not be perfect, but you're practicing. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie, and a lot of folks lie, and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So notice that. When we walk in the light, the light of God's word, we walk in the light of God's word, we're going to repent of sin, be washed in the blood of Jesus, and then what? We're going to have fellowship with one another. So what hinders us from having fellowship with one another? What gets in between us? Sin, darkness, not walking in the light. See, you and I can only be unified to the degree that we walk in the light. You and I can only be unified to the degree that we submit to the word of God. So there's people, they have good intentions. They want to they be a part. We all want to be a part. We want to be a part. That's beautiful. But there's this purging process that really enables us to be a part more and more and more. Now, there's a place to start. But if we want to go into that deeper, rich fellowship with one another, if we want to go into rich fellowship, then we've got to reject the things that the Lord rejects. Be purged of those, submit ourselves to the word. As we submit to the word, we become united with each other. As the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, our fellowship with one another grows stronger. But sin will keep us from having that kind of fellowship. Do you see that? Praise God. So we want to go deeper, don't you? Say, I want to go deeper. In my relationship with the body of Christ. Well, how do you do that? Well, number one, it's not by having tea with one another. Well, let's have tea this week. That's nice. But let's make sure that we're doing what the Lord says. And that's how we can grow deeper in our fellowship with one another. Can you say amen? Oh, praise God. This is good news. I said it's good news. Can you say amen? And so, verse 46, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with sadness. No, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Hallelujah. Life became light and easy for the early church. It was light and easy. You know, if we follow Jesus, he said, my yoke is easy. My burden is, my burden is light. It's light and easy. Jesus has a light and easy life. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. That's hard. Is life hard or light and easy? See, it needs to be light and easy. As we follow the Lord's plan, as we cast our cares on him, trust in him, just follow him, do what we know to do. The burdens are rolled over onto him. He takes care of all the heavy lifting. He gives us direction. It's just like out fishing. It's like in the river of living water going through the filter. Right? It's easy. It's light. The Christian life, don't let anybody tell you differently, it's light 
and easy. Coming to it might be difficult. The repenting part might be difficult. The turning, but once you turn and get into it, and the more you turn and the more you turn, the more you get into it, it gets lighter and easier and lighter and easier. Oh, hallelujah. And you can sit down and eat your food with gladness. (laughs) No bleeding ulcers. Right? No, 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 no. With gladness. Can you say amen? Oh, hallelujah. Man, don't you want that life? Don't you want to walk in that life more and more and more? Praise God. Thank God we can. You know, if I cover one more verse, I finish chapter 2. Verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Notice, they had favor with the world. They had favor with others. Why? Because they treated each other so favorably. Because they took so care of one another, they started reaping what they sowed in the world. They had favor with the world. And again, that became easy, leading people to the Lord. Daily, they were getting saved. That's us. Can you say amen? Say, that's us. We're the book of Acts, church. We're the church of the last days. We're going to walk in what they had and a whole lot more. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.